In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. To the Lord be glory forever and ever. This parable that our Lord taught could have could have included almost any of us, let's be honest. Um, don't get caught too much in, in the semantics, right? Because obviously our Lord is he's telling a parable, he's making a point. So sometimes you, you, you offer details so it's obvious who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. So the Pharisee took up his position, spoke to, I mean, we're already tipped off, right? It's one of those Pharisees, one of those Pharisees, right? And he's quoted, oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous. That's so over the top. I mean, he's making the point. He makes the point well. He's the best storyteller ever. He's the teacher of teachers. He's everyone. Uh, so... But it's told in such a way that we, it might not sink in. Imagine instead if it's the, um, whatever, you know, the father of however many um, children and husband who gets up to pray and he says, and his prayer is more like, God, I thank you for saving me from being greedy. And I, I thank you for your help, for keeping me honest. And I thank you for keeping me faithful to my wife. Dot, dot, dot. The story could go one way or the other. He, he could be a good guy. He could be a bad guy. If he continues his prayer, because I sure don't want to be like those horrible people who, you know, who are doing all those bad things. They're so awful. I can't stand them. Okay, bad guy. But if he, if he says, thank you for your help in keeping me from greed and keeping me honest and keeping me faithful and have mercy on all of us. Continue to shower us with your mercy and your grace. Oh, he's a good guy. He gets it. What's the difference? What's the dividing line? It's not as though, it's not as though being aware of the sins you've avoided makes you a bad person. How many people are using this gospel today to condemn self-righteousness Having, having equated it with being self-aware of the sins that you avoid. That doesn't make you self-righteous. That makes you self-aware. If, if, if the awareness of your uh, examination of conscience, if that leads you to have disdain for other people and contempt for them, well, that's bad, of course. 
If it leads you to be grateful to God for his mercy and his grace, makes you have even more solidarity for others that you pray for them and you beg that God have mercy on all of us, then it's a good thing. So a lot of us have focused in on the self-awareness being the, the indicator of some horrible spiritual disease. It's not. In fact, the Catholic faith really requires you, as a Christian, to be somewhat self-aware so that when you come up to receive Holy Communion, you have examined your conscience and you are morally certain that you haven't committed serious grave sins deliberately. That actually is the Christian faith. It requires us to be self-aware and aware of many other things. Aware of, this is only possible because of the grace of God, and aware of the fact that I, I love everyone and pray for everyone and beg God's mercy for everyone. But being self-aware of sins avoided and being aware of other people having committed sins doesn't even begin to describe your situation well enough for us to conclude if you're a good person or a bad person. I hope that's clear enough. I, I, could, I could just put the plane up in the air again and run that, run that lesson around a few different times with a few different nuances, but I hope you get it. Back in July in the parish bulletin, I made some comments about the preparatory document for the Synod on the Amazon. I mentioned someone by name, a, a German bishop, um, and, and you should know I, I explained from time to time. In the, from the pulpit and at the altar, we are worshiping God. It is inappropriate for, inappropriate for us to mention names that are not in communion with God. Therefore, whether it be politicians who are deserving of condemnation or Catholics who aren't actually Christian or others who are worthy of warning, you won't hear their names because we're worshiping God. The Holy Bible, of course, mentions many names um, and they will even refer to evil by name. Um, and evil has many names, actually. Well, in addition to the, to the German bishop that I mentioned in the bulletin in July, there's an Austrian bishop who has been in the news a lot lately. Very much involved in the synod, and uh, the working of it, preparation for it. And he's become notorious by his, by his own right, his own efforts, by making statements along the lines that uh, the people in the Amazon can't understand celibacy. So how, how should we expect their priests to be celibate? Um, this bishop 
was a missionary bishop in South America for almost two decades and made very clear, it even sounded as though he was boasting this past week, he made it very clear that during his almost two decades of being a bishop in Amazon, he never did a single baptism. Because baptism, he claimed, would be some kind of spiritual colonialism. Well, this kind of person deserves to be roundly condemned, but, but we pray that he understand the truth and repent of his sins and be able to join us at the altar in good faith. It's not, we, it's not as though we hate the man. We hate the fact that he's involved in any act of church governance. We hate the fact that he can sway public opinion and confuse people. But we, but he's our brother. He's our mistaken brother. God have mercy on all of us. What's the problem with the statement that he made? Well, if, if, um, if there are people who can't understand celibacy, what does that mean? It means they can't understand Jesus Christ, who was celibate. It means they can't understand the gospel that teaches us about marriage and celibacy. It means they can't understand the life of grace, which means he has to be wrong. <laughs> he has to be wrong. And what's the truth then? What's the truth that has to be proclaimed? The power of grace to make everyone holy. The power of grace to make every human being in union with Christ. It's, it's not our efforts that make us avoid greed, dishonesty, and adultery. It's, it's God's grace and our efforts. And explaining it to the confirmation kids a few weeks ago about how what happened at Pentecost was absolutely crucial because the mission of the apostles wasn't simply to inform people. If the apostles were simply to go out to inform people, they could have done that as soon as they saw our Lord ascend into heaven. And instead of going back to Jerusalem joyfully praising God in the temple, they could have begun their information campaign. No, evangelization isn't about information. Only. It's about the power of grace to actually change people. What is it that happens inside of you when you decide to love someone, when you decide to forgive someone, when you finally understand something? It's not as though more data went into your brain. Something changed inside of you. You can feel that. You notice that sometimes. Something changed. I understand that now. Moments when, you, when, you, when it's so beautifully obvious to you that the Holy Eucharist really is our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. Or moments when all of a sudden you realize how you really are made in the image and likeness of God. It's, it's not as though another bit of info was processed Something changed inside of you. 
the and we don't we can't feel our soul very well let alone much of the time but we can notice sometimes that that grace is operative there are many things that we don't understand right now about the christian faith because we haven't been we weren't taught it and we weren't raised in it the way christians should be Pope Pius IX and Pope Pius X were, were, were beside themselves at how horrendously ignorant the average Christian is of their religion. And I dare say, we're not better. We're worse. There are many things that we don't understand. We need to keep learning, but not just learning and gathering more information, begging for the mercy of God to send us grace to transform us, to make us holy, to make us aware of ourselves to the degree that God wants us to have that kind of knowledge, to love each other. A friend of mine just took a selfie a few days ago. He's in Greece, and he was entering the town of Delphi, so he took a, took a selfie with Delphi. And I told him to say hi to the oracle for me. That is the beginning of all wisdom. Know yourself. Be aware of yourself. Continue to learn about yourself and the world around you. Not to have things about which to brag, but to, because it's beautiful and glorious and also wounded and in need of help. Continue to learn about the ways of God. Again, not so that you can be more impressive at a cocktail party or a lecture, but because there is no end to the beauty and the wonder and the awesomeness of God. And pray as our Lord did for all of us. Whose, whose, whose humility is beyond description. Not just in his incarnation, but in the way he suffered and died for us, the way he prayed for us. He was completely aware of his sinlessness. And in fact, because he is God, always has been God, always will be God, it was impossible for Jesus Christ to sin. I guarantee you in the next few weeks or months, someone's gonna, someone prominent will say something stupid in contradiction to that. It was impossible for Jesus Christ to sin because he is God, always has been God, always will be God. He, more than anyone else, is aware of his sinlessness. He, more than anyone else, is aware of our sinfulness. But he's not the antagonist in the parable. He is the protagonist in our salvation. Because what does he do with this knowledge? He begs the Father to forgive us. When we hear the Psalms in the course of Holy Mass or praying the breviary or in our own reading, don't just think of beautiful poems written by King David after his repentance. These are the prayers. These are insights into the heart and the mind of your Lord and Savior. This is what Jesus Christ prayed for me and for you. 
when Psalm 51 passed his lips and his heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love. According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. But that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward being. Teach, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. These are words you know that Christ could not have prayed for himself. He so identifies with you, he so identifies with us, that he prays as though he is us. This is what St. Paul means when he says he made himself sin for us. He identified himself with us. He allowed himself to cry out to God on our behalf as a man, have mercy on us, forgive us. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will return to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of thy deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. For thou hast no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Do good design in thy good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then will thou delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on thy altar. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.